both we're both trying to trying to beat the heat today. I've got the I've got the window open, so apologies for any uh, errant noises. And yeah, I'm I had to step out of this chair because I was just sweating on it like crazy. This leather chair. Yeah, it's it's a sweltering one out there, folks. I don't know where it is uh, out there in Radio Land. What what the weather is like, but here. Uh, it's hot. This is like the hottest it gets around here. So, hot time, summer in the city. It's like the start of uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Seminal <laughs> summer what... film. Oh yeah, big time. You got and seminal hangover film as well. Mm. Uh, welcome everybody. It's Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast, right in the middle of summer. Uh, Will Young here, along with Lucas Mancini. Um, you know what? This is <laughs> this is actually it's kind of a low key episode in terms of things up front. I feel like we've been do- talking about a lot of putting up front a lot of things, but uh, well, I, although I say that, but of course, uh, as we've mentioned before on both varieties of podcast, uh, it is time for the best of Halifax nominations. Uh, Vote.thecoast.ca. Please nominate Elwood City Limits for best podcast in Halifax, and then not too long. Afterwards, about a month or so from now, uh, we'll be getting into the voting of it all. So first is nominations. We've been doing this for the past couple of years, and I feel like every year we get a little bit closer. And hey, listen, we're up against some really good competition. We usually are. Uh, a lot of the podcasts that get nominated, um, you know, I've personally listened to, and I think most of them are very good. And a lot, uh, a lot of them deserve to be there. So, uh, you know, we're not asking for the moon here. We're not uh, expecting to get gold or even silver. Those would both be great, but even <laughs> if we could just place in bronze, I think that's like that's a realistic goal. I think considering yeah. that you know a lot of a lot of these uh, a lot of these podcasts have very uh, heavy followings. Like it, I mean, we, and we have a lot of listeners as well. But these like they go beyond what I'm able to do for social media interactions and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, definitely nominate us vote.thecoast.ca and we appreciate your nominations. If you've done that already and we haven't said so, uh, thank you. And let us know when you do nominate us so we can thank you personally. That's right, folks. We're an Arthur podcast first, but secondly, we are a Halifax podcast. I mean, we started this out by talking about the weather here today. So, you know, <laughs> Halifax is never far from our minds. Um, and this is kind of, we're entering in the last week that you can nominate us. Uh, it ends the 24th of July. Uh, um, and yeah, folks, if you're wondering, okay, you guys get a bronze plaque. What does that even mean? First of all, we get recognition of our work of, of you know, mm-hmm. being the number one episodic Arthur podcast for years and years. And in my opinion, the number one family friendly podcast in the hrm but also we get to go to a fancy party where they give us free cocktails and folks you best believe if we are even bronze we're gonna be at that fancy party and we're gonna send you guys pics don't you want to see pics of me and will happy with our free cocktail right uh, yeah. rubbing elbows with the halley famous folk uh i know you want to see that folks and it's it's our guarantee that you will see those fun pictures uh if you go out there and nominate us and if we win Yes. So one more time, vote.thecoast.ca to nominate us for best podcast in Halifax. Uh, Let's see how well we do this year. Okay. Uh, We just have one email up top here, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. It's a little bit lighter this week, which is all good. This one is from uh, Anonymous, who wants to answer previous emailers, uh, Eric's questions. Uh, They would have liked to see the late Robin Williams on Arthur. Uh, of course, playing a genie and maybe even seeing friend like me, if the mouse would have allowed it, not going to say they wouldn't. But Robin Williams on Arthur, 
that would have been super, super cool. That's a great answer. Others would include Tom Hanks, the late Betty White, Weird Al, Greta Thunberg, Billie Eilish, Mark Hamill, Christopher Lloyd, and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Greta Thunberg, I think, you know, if she had come around a few years earlier, like if she was just born earlier or whatever, I think there's a very real chance she could have been on, if not Arthur, than a PBS Kids show. Mm. Yeah, true. Like, they gave David Suzuki TV shows on CBC. I, 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 I don't see why they couldn't do a similar thing with Greta Thunberg. Yeah, and, and and they may still, but it's just it, Greta Thunberg was definitely very like in the news, a hot topic a couple of years ago. So when Arthur was still airing, so could have been. On a side note, what songs do you think go along with each character? For example, one of your old episodes, you discussed Muffy being a materialist, so her song would be Material Girl by Madonna. Since Binky likes wrestling, his song might be Eye of the Tiger. I'd be curious to know your takes on this. I feel like we have discussed this in the past, a character character themes. Um, I'm just trying to think who would be a loser by Beck. That came in my mind. That would probably be like... Arthur! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe like the Richard Cheese version or something. Well, it's it's a little peppier. It's a little bit more of the worldly, quote unquote, worldly type music that Arthur purports. Um, brain would be either like math rock or like nerdcore. Like yeah, I'm thinking I'm th- something like MC Front a lot, maybe. Exactly, MC Chris, MC Front a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that that genre or like see you can't say white and nerdy by weird al because he's he's black uh it's true so yeah. it doesn't apply but i agree that it would be some sort of some lyrics about how nerdy they are you know spitting rhymes about your D D campaign and the like uh what about buster what do you think for buster buster's ska i think buster's the most he's either ska ska adjacent or like i'm like okay who is the artist who like makes music about like UFOs and monsters and stuff like that? Maybe like um, uh, Rob Zombie. You know what I mean? Like he loves uh, <laughs> a little, little hardcore for that... Buster. You don't think Buster's kind of a hardcore kind of guy? You're right. He really does give off a ska energy. He's listening to like Big Real Fish or something. Um, the Mighty Mighty Bus Tones. Yeah, you know that uh, uh, Fern is listening to like. <laughs> car seat headrest or like Mount Erie just the most emo uh, uh, music that we could completely think of Bauhaus um, the Sisters of Mercy some like old school goth stuff that's true that's true um, hmm Joy Division and you know that Sue Ellen's listening to like world music uh, Sue Ellen's a big Arrested Development fan oh the, 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 the hip hop group Arrested Development ah ah I see I see I see um hmm. speak up with mr wendell who else uh binky oh binky binky listens to and all the toughest customers just listen to like tough guy hardcore like they're listening to um like gorilla biscuits that's that's what those guys are into they're into uh uh bane is what they're into they're into wearing uh heather gray hoodies and talking about the scene uh, or, or maybe like Onyx, if you want something a bit more 90s. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you really want to get a little face. bit, if you want to get more hip hop with it, definitely Onyx uh, is is fitting. <laughs> um, or like Limp Biscuit, really, if we want to even get oh, late 90s. Oh yes, you know Gen X. It's just one of those days, Binky, when you don't want to wake up. You know, it's true. Uh, one more I'll say with DW. She seems like very like female, uh, the like uh, w- women rapper. Like I could see she's listening to like. Cardi and uh, Princess Nokia or something. I could see CDW to me, even though 
Um, she would probably be a millennial uh, if we're acting like the timeline yeah, starts yeah. in the in the mid '90s. But you know, in DW in the modern context, I get a Gen Z vibe. You know, DW is listening to that hyper pop, that 100 Gex. Yeah, no, the, no, dude, the Tibbles are listening to 100 Gex. <laughs> yeah, the Tibbles are bumping stupid horse up and yeah. down the street for sure, bothering all the neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of our ideas. Feel free to send us yours. Uh, and of course, thank you to the anonymous emailer, uh, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We also want to say a quick thank you to our patrons. Patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Our most recent episode of For the Kids seems to have gone over pretty well. It's all about Whimsy's house. We had an interesting time talking about that. And we have a patrons poll up right now. By the time you're hearing this on Friday or the weekend, you have until the end of day on Sunday, the 17th, July 17th, to vote for one of our options. We'll talk more about your options uh, near the end of the show. We have some new patrons on deck, such as Chloe, Dear Miss Elizabeth, a.k.a. Z, Wasatch Wind, who has already been um, very active on the Discord, nice to make their acquaintance, and Grace Cole. We also have, as specially requested, Flying Sparks 32 also very active on our Discord. And we also have patrons like CatDog, Jeff L., Jeffrey Norris, Rory Forever, uh, Veronica Tram, Casey Cosmos, who I enjoy following on Twitter. We have Vinny Gataldo and Owen. We have Revved. We have Rachel Pearson and Ross Ward. We have Stella, Froppy, and Emily Kay, the classics. And we have even more populating on our third page. Let's go with Light Relentless. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us at patreon.com slash Limits. I think we knew this going into it, in case you couldn't tell. This is a double dose of DW, and I was a little bit like, we haven't been loving the DW episodes in the past, so like having two of them, I don't know about this. So we're starting off with DW Queen of the Comeback, which actually starts with Arthur. He's talking about moments in his life that he wishes he could live again and again. Um, specifically, he mentions moments that have happened on the show, and they actually get reanimated a little bit. They don't cut to old footage. They, like, reanimated, um, you know, like Arthur getting the sword in the uh, the episode with the rival school at the medieval fair, uh, or Buster going on the balloon ride with his dad. Um, yeah, it's Arthur's usually pretty quick. To, the show is usually pretty quick to use, like, stock footage or, like, past... Uh, footage, so I was surprised that they just did it again, just in the new style. I, I bet it's because the style is changing so much now mm. um, that I, I feel like it would kind of we would notice it more than it had in the past. In the past, like the animation was close enough that it probably uh, you know we wouldn't notice it, but with the new style, uh, they it probably behooved them to reanimate these moments. Uh, but it's extra fun, um, kind of given that because. You know, before we might be like, oh, it's cool that they're referencing these things, but it's kind of lazy because we're just seeing the same clips again. So it's nice to see them, I don't know, from a new angle. Um, like the hot air balloon when uh, Buster's dad takes him up in the hot air balloon looks incredibly different than it did the first time. Um, and yeah, it's just fun to go down memory lane with this stuff. They could have come up with totally new moments uh, that would be more applicable to the show's audience as this was airing. Uh, you know, the moments they're referencing are now like, what over 10 years uh before this episode aired so it's kind yeah, of interesting and, that they picked these ones but it makes the show's lore feel consistent and lived in and all that kind of stuff 
And you make a good point. It could be very much that some of the episodes they want to draw from are like in a completely different, um, like like standard def versus HD, or like they would have to show it with the black bars around it or something. So uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, I loved it. Th- this whole cold open is framed around Arthur. It's the fall. Arthur doing like a jump into a leaf pile, and Pal does a little jump into the leaves too. There's a couple of really great cute Pal moments, which I really appreciate. Um, and then Pal cleanser for last week when you were like, I, oh, you know what? I don't, I don't mess with Pal anymore. <laughs> no, but but Pal when he doesn't talk, I love, I love mm. little puppy Pal. He Arthur also mentions one of like Mr. Ratburn's moment. He wishes he could live again and again, which is giving a pop quiz, which he says, "I will cherish this moment forever." <laughs> and he goes to talk about a moment that DW will want to relive, and it's when she got one over on the Tibbles. And she says, nothing tastes as sweet as revenge. So that's the idea going into this episode, that she one time got one over on the Tibbles in some regard. But it doesn't start there. It starts off with DW getting a bad haircut at a place called Signore Palatos, which it seems to be clown-themed, this barbershop. Okay, so first of all, just when I thought... We were gonna get some decent Italian American representation in Arthur. <laughs> you know how much I'm. I'm like, oh, you know, Pepe, the Italian flea. He bugs me so much with his his bugs stupid you. voice. Oh, goodness gracious, Mamma yeah, Mia, yeah, as yeah. we would say. Um, Here we I'm go like, again. Oh, fun! DW's got an Italian barber, and lo and behold, he messes up her haircut. Which, come on, the guy's a professional. I just don't see this happening. I think this how is would- ridiculous. How would you describe the way that he messes messes it up? Like it's I, I think you're better at physically describing what he does wrong here. I mean he like chops off a big chunk of her front bangs, really. Like And then and then after and then afterwards, like what does her hair look like as you would describe it? Oh, after he like kind of tries to fix his mistake. Well, this situation's funny for a couple reasons. First of all, yeah, it's like a kid's Italian barber shop. So, uh, like DW's in like a chair ride, and he's wearing a clown nose. Um, right. But the and whole it, gimmick is is completely lost on her. DW says, "If you're a clown, what are you doing at a barber shop?" Uh, yeah, she yeah she really side eyes him, and and Mom Reed has to like apologize. Like she's usually not this bad, but this guy this guy seems to like suck. Like not only does the day is the decor, <laughs> it's like a clown thing. Maybe it's just like a thing he does for kids, but even still, like it looks stupid. And then he offers DW a sugarless lollipop, to which I was like, "Screw you! Like this place sucks. Get me out of here." Um, uh, but yeah, he D- he chops off the front of her bang. And then we have this moment where he goes, this is one thing you never want your barber to say, is he goes, oh, no, (laughs) which is really, really bad. And it reminded me of um, the TikToks where it's like there's a kid sitting in the barber's chair and the whole barber shops is like brainstorming on how to fix his haircut like there's like oh, yeah. five guys surrounding this one kid being like okay we could do you know put the number three on top and then you do the skin fade here and the other guy's like no 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 and i was like oh we messed up we gotta go bald with the dw because he yeah chops off a huge portion of her front bang and then the next time we see her it is like a pixie cut like he gives her kind of like um yeah, like, I, I would say a pixie cut, like a, a really kind of, um, DW would describe as tomboyish, uh, completely kind of cuts off the sides, uh, and this is why, for the rest of the episode, uh, the Tibbles call her Dennis, because it looks like well, a boy's haircut. Well, right, it's like, it's actually kind of modern for women today to have this 
to have this haircut in fashion. We also, I want to mention, we did get a brief appearance from Nadine, which, as we discussed in a previous episode, it seemed like they were going to try to get away from, of like, well, Nadine's not going to be around forever, but she does appear to uh, a couple of times in this episode to help DW, in this case, kind of, uh, get her a little bit relaxed as the haircut goes on. But yes, DW uh, gets this awful haircut and she tries to wear a hat, like a like a toque, um a a, wool, a woolen winter hat uh to make sure the Tibbles don't make fun of her and Emily even g- can't stop herself from laughing at the hair. DW is going to claim that she has heritosis, which is why she needs the hat. But as you said, the Tibbles see her and then the whole thing is that they keep teasing her of course it's a boy haircut and they at first call her David Reed, but then settle on Dennis Reed, DW's brother or cousin or something. And just DW, she she doesn't have a good comeback. She keeps wanting to say something, and then it comes to her later. Um, <laughs> she, she has the delayed reaction. Like, at one point, when she gets back home, she asks Arthur, like, what do I say? And then Arthur gives her a couple things to say. So she goes back the next day. This is 24 hours after the burn has already set in on DW. And she says, I know you are, but what am I? Like, free of contact. Context, and then just basically opens herself up to more. And this yeah, is, yeah. Act- yeah. There, there's a really good moment where she says, I know you are, but what am I to nobody? Um, and then uh, she, that doesn't work. And so she asks the Tibbles to say something about her. And the Tibbles say, you're so smart and funny. <laughs> And then she says something else. Like it's similar to I know you. She, you are, she but says what am I? I'm rubber, your glue. Uh, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Which to me, it's like, eh, that was always kind of weak anyway. But since the they said a nice, like, they, thank they, you they for complimenting nice us, yeah. exactly. So they they got her like twice. They it's like <laughs> they own they own her at this point. It's it's crazy. Um, I also wanted to note. So there's this scene where DW is very. Uh, as I said, she's talking to Arthur about what she can say to the Tibbles. She's very upset. She even says to Arthur at one point, this is all your fault, which is completely baseless. This is the first time that Arthur's appearing in the story. Um, and Pal, I wanted to note, this is so adorable. He's such a good boy, he doesn't even cry when he gets his nails clipped, which I know that mm. for a lot of dogs, that's a that's one of the harder things that you have to do. I know that they can give you a lot of guff for that, but Pal doesn't even so much as bark. So he's a real good boy. Uh, I also wanted to mention here when DW is doing those two failed insults, she does the, I know you are, but what am I? Then she goes to the corner of the sandbox where the, uh, she and the Tibbles are, and Nadine is acting as her, like, boxing corner man to the point where she gives DW a pail to spit into as she goes back (laughs) out to try the other insult. I thought that was a funny visual thing. You know what? I'm glad you caught that. I didn't realize, I was like, why is DW spitting? Like, it makes sense, though, (laughs) that she's like, yeah, hyping her up. She's going um, in for just, round two. Mm, which she, again, fails. And then she also outsources advice from Rattles and Binky, uh, <laughs> to which I think this counts as an Arthur meme alert. I'm pretty sure I've seen this as a text post. So, you know, DW says uh, that you're supposed to have good comebacks. You're bullies. And Rattles says, we're not bullies. We're kids who have a hard time expressing our emotions in a constructive manner. <laughs> this whole exchange is the, by far um, the funniest part of either of these episodes today. It was very uh, good. It, it's that line is is brilliant. 
Um, and then Binky chimes up and he's like, you should call them a bibliophile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Arthur's like, that just means someone who's like really into literature. And Binky's like, I just like the way it sounds. Bibliophile. And then they like start saying, yelling these words. Rattles and Binky yell these words at each other that they don't know what mean. Like uh, one of them is like philanthropist. <laughs> and then Rattles says humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rattles also calls him an autodidact, which is a self-taught <laughs> person. Just very, very funny. <laughs> Just, you, just I, I think we've all done that. You discover big words that nobody else knows and you use them as insults. So DW's still trying to figure out the best comeback here. Um, we cut to Grandma Thora and Mrs. McGrady, uh, who are at Mrs. McGrady's place. Um, we get a reference here. So Mrs. McGrady is making some Indian food, and she references the fact that she has gotten over cancer. She says, like, I haven't been able to cook like this since before I was sick or something to that effect. So, you know, that's still, again, part of the background canon of it all. Um, Grandma Thora's advice, which I rolled my eyes at, but I know it's somewhat true. It's just also, like, one of the least helpful things to say in the moment to somebody who's being bullied. Just ignore them. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, it's different when it's bullying, though, and it is someone, like, chirping you. Right. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that is the distinction in this episode is like the Tibbles aren't, you know, actively making DW's life a living hell or anything like that. They're her friends at the end of the day. It's just that they're getting their chirps in and DW's got nothing for them. Uh, <laughs> and it's true that I, I mean, the episode gets into it uh, near the end. But the moral is that if you stop caring, you know, you win in the end by being the bigger person because. Uh, you're not uh, reciprocating with their barbs, so to speak. But DW hasn't like, learned that lesson yet. She it's needs like in a, the it, ancient Indian wisdom to learn that lesson. <laughs> it's like a reverse Shorzy. It's like uh, DW is both Jonesy and Riley, and then the Tibble mm. twins are both Shorzy, and they just can't stop chirping her, and she doesn't have anything. So, yeah, I rolled my eyes at that advice, even though we kind of end up in that place anyway. And, 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 and I think that there is a kernel of truth to that. It's just that, yeah, I've heard that just ignore them to brush off anything from verbal insults to like physical assault. So I'm just like, uh, mm. bad, bad relationship with that. So Mrs. McGrady, um, does give DW like a, like a snappy, it's almost like a dusty roads promo that she does at her. It's like rhyming or like a Muhammad Ali ism. Mm. And DW is like, Oh, let me memorize that to say back <laughs> to them. But, Mr. McGrady had, 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 you know, bars back from the Great Depression or whatever, the mean ugh. streets of the early 20th century. Uh, it's not, you know, this fair weather, uh, wimpy, uh, millennial kind of talk from Binky and Rattles. This is some hardcore stuff uh, Mrs. McGrady uh, retained from the early 20th century. So... Mrs. McGrady tells DW a fable from the Panchatantra, which is an ancient Indian collection of fables. And this is this is real. It's a separate segment, essentially not a segment, but it's like, you know, an imagination sequence. And it's done in the style of I can't exactly place the type of artwork, but it's meant to be in line with the type of fables like it, it is it, the only way I can describe it, it's like eh, it looks like a fable but that's not descriptive at all so I apologize uh maybe Lucas you'd have a better idea but I'll just say that it's like it's, the like, sto- it's, like, a, it's like tapestry-esque tapestry you know what I mean? sure yeah, yeah 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 absolutely that's much better um so the story is that like a tortoise is friends with two birds I believe they're seagulls if I'm not mistaken and they both they're all three of them are friends and then the lake dries up so the tortoise needs to go somewhere else in order to live and the gulls 
uh, offer to fly the tortoise, but the problem is the tortoise is very chatty. Uh, in a way that almost sounded like a bit of a Jewish stereotype at times, but it's like, uh, okay. He's just kind of, he's kind of, for lack of a better term, he's kind of like a nebbish kind of like yes. nervous, like, yeah. oh, you can you guys turn down the air conditioning, like, like I don't, I don't know if it was just, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a Jewish stereotype, so to speak, as as much as it is like nervous, like New Yorker, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's 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 within it's within that, like I don't think there's really anything wrong with it, but it's like depending on how you play it, you can get a little close to. Uh, Jewish stereotype, and it's 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 not quite that, but it's like yeah, he's he's just complaining about everything, and just like how long is it going to take for for me to get over there? There's yeah. a, there, there's a, there's a funny one where he's like, um, they they're going to carry him over because the tortoise has to bite down on a stick that the two birds will lift him to another place, and he's. He says that's like that stick doesn't look very strong. Uh, did is that you should have gotten oak? Oak's much better. I know a beaver who gives me great oak, and it's just it's like I'm, it's not like a euphemism for like uh, like a dealer or something. Just like oh yeah, I gotta talk. I gotta phone my beaver. He gives me great oak. <laughs> um, so they fly the tortoise, and on the way, a uh, a, a duck who who's a real jerk starts appropriately chirping the tortoise. And when he opens his mouth to retort, the tortoise fell. And that's... Yeah, the, the, the duck is that, really that, doing some, like, Jerry Seinfeld-esque material at the tortoise, too. Ob- like, observational I, I humor. Yeah, I don't blame the the, the tortoise for getting mad, because it's, it's like, oh, is that a stick shift? Because it's got a stick in his mouth, or, like... You look like a uh, UFO being towed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's... Yeah, I, I would say it's some fairly broad barbs. Not the most biting material, but, yeah, annoying if you're in air travel, nonetheless. You know, I have to sit here and listen to this duck. But, yeah, the tortoise... By the way, th- there's this weird moment where... Um, Mrs. McGrady doesn't really finish the story. Uh, right. It's obvious to us, the viewer, that the tourist falls to their death and dies. Uh, we almost had our second on-screen death in Arthur, but of course they cut the short story short. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. McGrady gets like a, and this Zoom wasn't around, so I assume a Skype call uh, from her sister in India. Um, so it cuts off the the tortoise's horrific end where he goes splat on the ground. But I just thought it was funny that it was like they tried to have their cake and eat it too. Like the obvious end of that story is that the tortoise dies, but they go to great lengths to not show it uh, or acknowledge that that's what even happens. Um, yeah, and, and then, it, yeah, we get this Skype call. Uh, that's it's funny they replicate bad uh, like internet connection. <laughs> Yeah, so Mrs. McGrady gets a call from her sister, who is in uh, Bodhgaya, India. We also see a cameo from El Boomerang during this video call. And you're right, they simulate, like, early 2010s video call lag in a way that, like, you're you're not really getting a full motion video. You're getting more just, like, stuttery pictures of every Mm. couple of seconds. I thought that was a really good touch. Um, that night, since DW didn't hear the end of the story, she kind of dreams up her own ending, where the tortoise and the duck, uh, show up in her room, and they're, she imagines them being chained together forever, and essentially, they're in this stalemate, this, uh, mutually assured destruction of, if one teases the other, then the other one will tease them back, and it just goes in this recursive loop for the rest of time. And this ends up sticking to DW in a way, and this is how she ends up dealing with the Tibbles. So she goes to um, 
She goes to school the next day, and she heeds the advice of the story, or at least the advice she dreamed up. They go to, they they insult her, they call her Dennis again, and then DW just goes to insult them and then takes a deep breath and says, it's not worth my time. Call me whatever you want. I really don't care. And then walks away. <laughs> it's, a, it's, oh, it's, it's cold as hell. I liked mm. it. Very good. And see, well, this is where, you know, uh, Grandma Thor's advice actually works because you feel like the wind go out of the Tibble sails. Like they've lost their power over DW once she's decided to be the bigger person and just simply not care about the things that they say. And then her hair grows back and all is well. And it's very true. Like the like the the core of that idea is that a lot of you know from bullies to people teasing you, they want attention and if you a reaction exactly. And if you give it to them, then they're emboldened to keep doing it. But if you stonewall them, or if you're able to stonewall them, then they just will move on, or at least theoretically. It's not it's not a one size fits all sort of thing. Um, and then we go back to actually the framing device of the cold open where DW has been relating this story and she, she names her method as keeping the stick in the mouth. So just letting the, letting the insults wash off you and, uh, uh, act, acting as though you're better than it. And in this case, yeah, totally worked. And in a lot of other cases, it's something, something that I think uh, a lot of people on twitter.com could heed uh, from time to time. And I'm certainly guilty of it myself. Uh, Before we move on to our second story, and now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. So this one's kind of tangentially related. It's it's in that, you know, the first episode we just watched had an Indian folktale. And now we hear a Japanese folktale. I imagined it was just, you know, within the... Uh, the context of like exploring another uh, another culture's uh, traditions, and yes, yeah. so a woman named Yumi goes to a group of students and uh, tells them a Japanese folk tale using the art of kamishibai, which is paper theater. Essentially, it's creating sequential illustrations to communicate a story and all of the kids get to do their own by taking a folk tale and then drawing sequential drawings like a group project. Um, the only thing I really have to say about this is I like seeing the differences in artistic ability of the kids. And again, this is not to insult or to, or to really even to praise, but it's like, you can tell from just from the drawings themselves of like, Oh, this kid might grow up to be like artistic or this kid really likes to draw. And then there's other kids who, have a little bit more trouble with it. It's just like, okay, well, drawing isn't their strength. And it's just interesting to see it at a very early time in their life. All right, so we're going to get into the second half of this episode in just a moment, uh, right after this. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and here's how. Over on our social networks, you can follow us and find the latest updates and some fun photos. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, and Elwood City Limits on Instagram. You can support us monetarily by going over to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive audio content like our new PBS Kids show, movie reviews, and sneak previews of upcoming content. 
Support us as well by going to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood city limits store or search Elwood City Limits on Teespring. Buy yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, or a hoodie with the Elwood City Limits logo or an exclusive design by our friend Josh. Elwood City Limits is available online at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits or you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. Is it not on your favorite app? Let us know. And you can always help us by spreading the word, tell your friends, and send us a message either on social media or an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, let's get back to the show. So if this one sounds familiar to you, if you've been uh, listening to Elwood City Limits uh, for a couple of years, uh, in my Africa, we did kind of cover this. So we did, I should say, I did an episode of ECL Flash Forward, which is when we go forward in the Arthur timeline to talk about an episode that's either relevant now or that we just wanted to cover. So I talked about In My Africa with a lovely person named Kara Oliver. Um, I, it's The episode is from, I believe it's May or June of 2020, and you can listen to it now. We talk about the episode more in broad strokes, and Kara has some really great um, insight on it. She talks about... Um, the the work that goes into anti-racist action. She talks about what the episode gets right from an educator's perspective. I'd really encourage you to listen to the episode for her more than me. So I'm going to be like, I don't, I, I listened to it again. I wanted to make sure I don't repeat myself here. Uh, so Lucas, I'll be very interested in what you observed from this episode. And this, as we, as I said, is another DW episode. She does the cold open from a from a bustling city, then uh, she wonders if maybe we can guess where it is, and it turns out it's in a part of Africa, Dakar, Senegal. Um, it seemingly her, her, could be her anywhere bait in the world. Switch, her bait and switch worked on me. She's like, "I'm in a bustling city." I'm like, "Elwood City." <laughs> I, 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 really? Like, even in like, the, even though it's even if it's called in my Africa, you you're just like, "Oh, Elwood City," yeah. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just like letting this episode wash over me. I'm barely paying attention. And then I'm like, she's like, DW's like, I'm in a bustling city. And I, my like lizard brain just like, Elwood City. <laughs> just as <laughs> an initial response. And then she's like, no, I'm in Africa. And I'm like, wow, I've learned something today. Um, but yeah, no, I actually thought this was a great cold open. Um, both, you're right, as an educational device of like, ooh, why don't we subvert your expectations? Maybe if you're a kid watching this at home and you're much like DW, you think Africa's all savanna and lions and, and huts and there's nothing else. Uh, here's a, we'll start off uh, with saying, no, there's bustling cities uh, just like everywhere else in the world. Um, and then we kind of great get this this really good character introduction of yeah. DW's new friend, her, her new classmate. Her new classmate and friend is Chake, uh, yes. who is from Senegal, and we see him in the cold open playing with El Boomerang. So it makes a it makes his cameo again. Where's it going to end up? We're going to find out very soon. I also wanted to note just uh, Chake is in this episode is played by a Canadian actor, uh, an award nominated actor named uh, Thamela M. Uh, excuse me on the pronunciation, Thamela Mapalmulwana. So uh, I, I really I really thought his voice was quite distinctive. Um, so the idea behind this episode, really in broad, this is uh, 
This is a more straightforwardly educational episode than we tend to usually get on Arthur. So the idea is that Chake is a new friend of DW's, and he's the Brain's cousin who is moving from Senegal to Elwood City. We see him begin his journey um, by leaving his home in Senegal, and we even see a little shot of, I'm guessing it's meant to be his mother, and I really liked um, seeing African fashion represented on the show. Well, we also get they get they give, do the Indiana Jones shot where it's like the plane yes. going from Senegal, and let me tell you something: they got a direct flight from uh, <laughs> Senegal to the New England area. Like, good for uh, what a deal! <laughs> you know, there was no connecting flight or anything, just across the Atlantic Ocean. You know, here if we had to fly anywhere, you know, we got to fly to Toronto first in the opposite direction. So yeah, you yeah you're right. I didn't even think about that, but man, that must have also been like, you're flying over an entire ocean. That must have been like at least a day, right? I mean, I don't know. I I don't know much about air travel, but that must have taken Mm. forever. So the idea is is that Shake is part of DW's um, preschool class, and she makes a drawing about what she thinks Africa is like, and she's a bit embarrassed when when Shake says that... uh, it's not like that at all. Like, DW is like, oh, there's lions and trees, and you take the hippo to school. And I said this in the episode with Kara, and I'll say it again. Great line here when Shake says, where did you learn this nonsense? <laughs> and DW replies in turn with, oh, TV. <laughs> TV and movies, mostly. Um <laughs> And then Timmy, Timmy Tibble totally razzes DW, just like, you don't know anything about Africa. Just like, you don't know how to not eat glue, you know? Mm, like, of all mm. people being razzed by Timmy. And, like, Shake's nice about it, but he he's just very pointedly is just like, that's not what Africa is like. And DW resolves to learn all about Africa, which is going to be very hard because as <laughs> something that she is taught. And I actually made this mistake when I was like making my notes, even after they said this of like the country of Africa, just like actually Africa is not a country. It's made up of many different countries. And DW is like, oh, man, there's so much of this I still have to learn. Um, yeah, well, DW's teacher gives great advice, and this is kind of the crux of the episode. They, they kind of give away the moral early on, uh, but DW's teacher says, you know, you should learn about a place before you describe it. Exactly. So DW, of course, can't read, so she can't get the information that way. Um, she does, uh, we, we do get a little bit of help here from Arthur, who, in, who enlists the brain to her cause, because Arthur went through this very similar process himself, just over the course of 12 minutes uh, in Dear Adil. He references learning about Turkey. So uh, we like we have done this a little bit, but we're at least going about it in a different enough way and with a different character, too. So DW enlists the brain to help her to learn, and the brain's trying to figure out the best way to impart this knowledge, and DW happens upon the idea of creating a song. And this song is the centerpiece of the episode. We hear the whole thing it's like it's almost five minutes long, and it needs to be because it's a song about the various countries and parts of Africa, and it's called In My Africa. 54 things, 54 things to see and to explore. In my Africa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In my Africa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The continent of Africa is deep and long and wide. With 54 countries to keep my song diversified. There's rhythmic beats, new things to eat, and places you can go. And 
every day a different way that you can say hello. For instance, Mangaboo is howdy-do when visiting in Ghana. Dumelema is how you say hello inside Botswana. Yeah, this was great. Once I realized that this is what they were doing, uh, I got excited because it's reminiscent of... I, it's one of my favorite bits in Animaniacs of all time is when um, they do the countries of the world. Uh, and he, like, runs down all the countries. And it's funny because that video is kind of out of date because a lot of those countries have changed names or what mm -hmm. have you. But I think it's kind of a timeless Animaniacs bit. Um, and you know me, Will. I, 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 like, I have a passing interest in geography. I play GeoGuessr in my free time because I just oh, like yeah. thinking about different countries and their different flags and where they are in the world. And so I was like, oh, great. This is like extra GeoGuessr. You know, one of my, my two biggest GeoGuessr blind spots, and I'll, I'll shamefully admit it here. I'll, I'll leave my heart open to the listeners to, to know my faults are definitely continental Africa um, as well as like the Pacific Islands. Whenever a country's in those places, that's where I always find it to be the hardest because I really don't know a lot about those areas or the geography of those areas. So I was uh, keenly studying this song, Will, because I was like, okay, these places are near the Nile. This places have like this body of water. This is useful geoguesser information for later on. I'm, I'm useless with geography. So a lot of this was... Very much new. Like I've heard some of these name places of names before. So the entire song is uh, uh, sung by DW and Brain's voice actors. They're not the gr amazing singers, but it is a fun and engaging way to learn. Although it does just boil down to they go to like each region, they say its name, and then they give like one fact without context. And it's like, <laughs> and they do cheat a little bit too. Like, for instance, they they will assign certain facts to multiple regions, and then at the end, they do just kind of throw in all the countries that they didn't have anything for. Like, <laughs> at the, at the very end, there's just like five countries that are used as ad libs that they just kind of say <laughs> over the end of the song, and it's like, okay, you you listed them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and and some of the and some of the facts that we give it just like this is this is meaningless. Like this doesn't really mean anything to me. <laughs> It's like it's like uh, I'm sorry I don't remember the lyrics maybe I should pull them up here but it's just like this is the this is the land of something something I'm like I don't know what that I don't know what that means Yeah this is the place where people stand tall I'm like okay Yeah what does that uh huh? What does that mean <laughs> But like, it is are, are they are they tall people from here they have good posture what is that <laughs> Uh yeah uh past Uganda Eritrea and look out a crocodile Okay, like, yeah. uh, you know, some of them are are interesting facts, but others are just like, I have no idea what to do with that. But it is it. The song sounds good, which I think is important. I they do also use a lot of live action pictures and footage with the mm. little music video that they have. And it really like it sells Africa. I think it's, you know, Africa is such a beautiful part of the world and it's really cool. I always appreciate seeing footage from its various places i, I just the the, really the inclusion cool. of the live action footage almost makes this feel like a secret postcards from buster episode mm, uh, yeah, be yeah besides the fact that buster's of course not in it uh it it feels very postcards from buster-esque even more so than an arthur episode in terms of kind of the way the episode is formatted because once they get this song idea with a few little siestas, it is basically this song for the rest of the episode. They have kind of like three uh, sections 
you know, the first section, they're they're introducing the song and they're running down some of the countries. And it's funny. I was thinking to myself, I was like, wait, they're done? They didn't get to all 52 countries. There's still some to go. And then it, uh, 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 and then uh, Jake comes back in uh, and says, like, oh, you should add a food section. And this is kind of my favorite section because I like seeing all the African food. I don't know if you had the African food place here, Will. Uh, Mary's African Cuisine. This no, is, again, a Halifax yet. podcast. This is a Halifax travel podcast, folks. Uh, Mary's African Cuisine um is absolutely delicious it's like if you're really really hungry it's one of the best like uh filling meals you can have for like 15 bucks here um but uh yeah uh so they kind of have the song and then they have little like inset moment uh and then they go back to the song but really two-thirds of this episode are this song Yes, like they stop the song at one point as Shake comes in and he's quite impressed by it and he adds a little bit of his own knowledge about Africa, about food and other parts of the continent because he mentions earlier in the episode and then he treats DW and Brain to Puleyasa, which is a Senegalese dish that is spicy lemon chicken, which sounds pretty good to me, man. Um I also want to make this note here so I looked up the full like this full song on YouTube. And in the comments there, apparently some people were a little upset because this song was made before South Sudan was a country. And people were ah. like, where's South Sudan? It's like, okay, this is like, like put, not, not only did this, was this released in 2010, it was probably written in like 2008. So like, it's not good. It's not going to be completely up to date with Africa. I'm sure by now it's even more out of date, but uh, you know. It's well, that's true really with kind of all geography stuff, right? Like there's that guy on TikTok who can figure out when a globe was made based off the information of the globe. But he usually right. gets it within a few months because things are always changing. It's just yeah, it's it's funny. Read now. I found the video you're talking about, and they have the lyrics all written up. Uh, it is really just interesting to see, like, okay, what are the things that they h- highlight about every single country? Because it's it, it's a really impossible task. Because summing up one country, oh my god, this country, must be so hard to do. Well, summing up one country concisely is is really difficult. Let alone, you know, okay, what is a the most important yeah. thing about? each one of these 52 countries and also we kind of have to make it rhyme um yeah like the the line we were talking about earlier was and burkina faso is called the land of upright men so that's that again uh, what and but then they've moved on to to the next lyric um and as you said, this this is a lot of the episode because if you look it up on YouTube, the whole thing back to front is like about five minutes and this episode itself is only 11 or 12. So that's almost half of it. Um, oh, yeah. We, the end. Yeah. The end is when they're just like Djibouti, Somalia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so- the episode basically comes together when DW is going to make a presentation of the song and the song ends uh, with another interlude here as she goes to perform it in class. She gets a bit, bit momentarily embarrassed about singing the song as, you know, the Tibbles are saying she's going to get it wrong again. Like, talk about the hippo bus. But then Shake uh, gets up and sings with her and she's not as embarrassed anymore. The episode finally ends up with Ms. Morgan introducing another new student, Keith from Kalamazoo. And DW says that she doesn't know anything about Kalamazoo, but she is very eager to learn about it. And that's what you're meant to take away, is that it's it's supposed to um, tell you about the positives of being uh, a worldly citizen, let's say, of learning more about places you don't know about. 
Um, anything else before we get into the to the wrap up? I uh, th- this was a little bit oh, of a yeah. different. This uh, is this is uh, one of the shorter episodes of Elwood City Limits, but it's because the second episode, like I said, once you see the song, that's the grand majority of the episode. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of context at the start, interview introducing Jake, but there isn't really much else to it besides the kind of song as the central element of the episode. Yeah. So let's talk about both of them. Uh, first of all, DW, queen of the comeback. Lucas, what did you think? You would think one of the things we've been critical of Arthur episodes in these later seasons is that some of them start to feel like we are retreading well-worn territory. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on Arthur many times is, you know, calling each other nasty names, uh, bullying one another. Uh, we have classic Arthur episodes that tackle this, you know, DW being called Dora Winifred and um, her calling Arthur such a bad name that he he melts. And then we watched an episode recently that was kind of covering the exact same tor- territory about like mean names and that kind of thing. So you'd think I would levy the same criticism at this episode for being a little too samey, a little bit too well-worn territory. Right. But I thought that this was coming at it from a different angle. Of, um, you know, the central message being DW needs to be the bigger person. Uh, Once that she lets the Tibble twins know that she isn't bothered by their comments and she stops being so reactive to them, um, they're going to stop and they're going to leave her alone. And I thought the big standout thing about this episode was... Um, a DW episode for me really works when it's funny. DW is a great character um, to introduce a lot of good comedy with. She's one of those characters like Binky that's just kind of a quip machine. Like, it's great to put DW in a situation and have her kind of say something offside, right? That's something that Arthur doesn't have. Arthur's a great protagonist because in some to some extent he is a, uh, a blank slate. He is the perfect kind of figure for the audience to kind of put themselves in the situation. DW is not like that. DW is at her best when she is well written and she's quick and she's saying funny things. And I thought this was a really funny DW episode. I thought the situation with uh, going to Binky and Rattles was some of the hardest I've laughed at an Arthur episode this season. I thought it was really funny. Um, and just her kind of she totally misunderstands the the Indian story uh, that Mrs. McGrady tells her. She's like, okay, so I'm not supposed to keep a stick in my mouth um her her just like complete lack of timing like her inability to come up with these comebacks just as the the tibbles are roasting her uh all these situations made me laugh and i thought that it kind of made the episode uh you know greater than the sum of its parts i think the moral works and i think the humor works so i i was really entertained by this despite it being kind of a lot of dw episodes uh uh in quick succession yeah, I liked this one too. Like again, I was very much like, it's you know two DW episodes, and again we're you know the DW defenders over here. But again, it's just like, ah, eh, this one's gonna be like especially kitty. I don't know, but I didn't think it was. I also thought that it was you know funny and engaging, and it used a lot of like the of the world. It didn't feel like a DW episode. It felt more like an ensemble episode at times because you've got like. Different characters Arthur's age, different characters DW's age, different adult characters. Uh, and you were, like, coming up with interesting ideas and interesting ways to resolve DW's problem. And including, like, the fable, like, which was another, like, 
Arthur thing of like, let's just use a completely different art style and storytelling method. And it just kept it interesting through the whole time. And then when it was over, I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, that's it. Oh, my God. I thought this was going to go on a lot longer. It is. I was almost uh, I was like I could have watched it uh, for quite a bit longer. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to for the reasons that you mentioned, Lucas, and for what I mentioned as well. <laughs> um, uh, before we move on, before we move on, I also yeah, yeah, mentioned yeah. I forgot to mention that um, I also liked how, you know, in the fable, they took another chance to do a completely different art style. That's something I always appreciate when we yeah, have a story yeah. within the story in Arthur Big time. Uh, and they do something adventurous uh, and, you know. You can't uh, fault how much work that is for the animators, right? Because, you know, they have their assets that they use and, and their storyboards that they use and the characters that they've drawn again and again and again through these Arthur episodes. Right. So it's a ton of work to come up with, like, a totally different art style and just kind of animate a section that looks really different than the rest of the episode. Uh, so I always appreciate when they do that. And in my Africa, so I've kind of I've talked about this episode a little bit more. I'll keep this brief. Um I like the intention behind it. I think it's uh, done from a good place. I like the song. I appreciate that they, you know, included a new black character, a new African character uh, to to do this. And I hope Shake comes back. It's one of those cases where it's like, they introduce a new character from a new point of view. I hope that this isn't the first and last time that we see them. So I hope we do see Shake again. Um and yeah, the it, it, a lot of the episode is the song, which I was really surprised about. The only thing is that, and this isn't really a complaint, it's just that, as I said before, you don't get Arthur being this, like, straightforwardly educational. Like, in, and you could even compare this to uh, DW, Queen of the Comeback, in which case, like, that is meant to impart a lesson, but it does it in a bit more of a a complex way in terms of, you know, what it uses for humor and all this kind of stuff. This is very much like you're going to learn about Africa in this episode, which is good. Like, I think we absolutely should and encourage kids to learn about different parts of the world. But it is very straightforward in that goal. It's like when you have a the the music video part of it is very um, non-diegetic in a sense of it's like it's meant to address the person watching this. So... It's interesting to see Arthur do that. Like, I'm glad it doesn't do that all the time. Every once in a while, it can get away with it, and I think this is totally fine. But, like, yeah, as an episode, you know, the story itself is pretty pretty threadbare. It's mainly just to get across the message itself. But the message is good, and the song is pretty pretty catchy, so... Yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm fine with this. I'm like, I'm totally fine with this, and I, 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 I like the intention behind it uh, more than like the actual like meat and potatoes of the episode, I guess, the bones of the episode. Yeah, I'm of two minds about this one because, you know, I was entertained. I don't really have anything. I, I didn't feel like my time was wasted, and I, I have, like I said, uh, a, a little bit of an interest in geography. I like hearing. I just like hearing about all these different countries and seeing the sights from all these different countries. That's always going to be entertaining to me. Um, but I don't know if it, it – it doesn't feel like an Arthur episode. That's the kind of one problem is that the format, such a wide break from the format, does make it feel like – uh, a very, you know, good episode of Postcards for Buster or something, but it, does, it doesn't have that kind of Arthur arc. It doesn't really feel like a complete Arthur story. It just mostly seems like uh, set dressing to have this educational song, um, which, again, is executed really well. The song is good. The visuals that go along with the song is good. I even like the framing device. I love their introduction of the new character. I think all that stuff really works, um, but it, it just doesn't 
it feels a little bit unarthur like in a way. Um, so I, I wouldn't count it as like one of my favorite episodes of like it's an episode I enjoyed, but I wouldn't put on my top five of the season list for that reason. Yeah, I told I totally get what you mean, and I think we use that sometimes as a criticism of like, oh, any show could do this, and that's true. Like, there isn't a lot about this that is innately Arthur, but no other show did do this or other, I, I like I well I shouldn't say that there's probably other shows that have done this to a degree but not a lot of shows that with Arthur's status I suppose would do this and it did so I think that there's um points to be had there my goodness um we're getting to the end of this season uh yeah we're gonna be ramping up to the end which means that we've got some exciting stuff coming your way um so Here's what the schedule looks like for the next little bit here. Next week on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which is our Patreon-exclusive podcast where we talk about PBS Kids shows. We have a poll going on between two hotly contended choices. I won't tell you who's winning or what it looks like, but it's um, it's going to be another close one. So if you're a patron and you haven't voted yet, go to patreon.com slash Limits or check the link in the Discord in the ECL channel. Um, your choices are between Dinosaur Train and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Which one will win? The patrons will decide. End of day, Sunday, July 17th, is when you have to vote for one of those two shows. Make it a good one. Let's see which one wins and which one we'll be talking about next week. Two weeks from now, we're going to be covering the last episode of Arthur Season 14, which is Buster Spaces Out and The Long Road Home. So we'll see what that's all about as uh, we get ready. In in August, it looks like we're going to be starting a new season of Arthur, season 15, which is, well, okay, I won't get into it yet, but um, this um, there's going to be changes coming very soon. Now, okay, let me be clear. We're not up to the Flash animation episodes yet. But we're closer than we've ever been. <laughs> well, just, you know, with every episode, we draw a little bit closer. So enjoying the traditional animation while we have it. So we've got four of the kids next week. Then we have Elwood City Limit the week after that. The week after that, we will be getting you the ECL Season 14 recap and a very, very special ECL Presents coming to the Patreon feed. This is going to be huge. If you're... I, I can't wait for everybody to hear this one, and it's going to go to Patreon first. I'll give you a bit more details coming up in two weeks, but trust me, you've been waiting for this one. All right, Lucas, I'm going to go, since, since we're going to stop recording here, I'm going to turn the fan on and start to know, <laughs> eat a freezy or something. I'm starting to melt here. Yeah, no, abso- I'm going to do the same. I'm going to stick my head into the freezer. Uh, Well, don't get the icicles on your hair like EW did. Uh, Well, that's the end of another episode of Elbit City Limits. Thank you so much for joining us. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Hey, you guys are from that Indian story. We'll see you next time.